Setball, the Parchair Podcast. Welcome to Setball, the Parchair Podcast, the one and only podcast which deals with all things Parchair football. My name's Siobhan Stevenson and I'm here with my mate Dave Lewis, who is chair of the Wheelchair Football Association. Dave? Hello. Hello, I'm all right. Yeah, you? (laughs) The um the um, pitch of the um greetings every week is getting higher and higher. Hello, hello, hello there. Yes, um, <laughs> y- yes, it's Sunday today. It's bank holiday weekend. It's the first time we're doing this on a Sunday, but that's that's absolutely great. Feels weird on a Sunday. Feels doesn't weird. It? I'm not quite awake. Yeah. I've only been up about twenty minutes. I must admit. Um, Don't give the secrets <laughs> away. We're supposed to be professional. We are professional. <laughs> anyway, I suppose I'd better say hello to, to, to uh, today's guest. And we've got a treat today because we've got three people now. And it's all all from the same household. So firstly, we've got uh, Manchester United coach Paul Kelly. Hello, Paul. How hello, are you doing? Paul. Hello, Dave. Hello, Siobhan. How are you doing? Very well, thank Fine, you. How thank are you doing? You. Uh, ne- next, we've got Paul's son, Patrick Kelly, who plays for Manchester United. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hello. How you doing, mate? Hello, welcome. Nice to see you. And finally, we've got Helen Musson, who is the chairperson of Sale United PFC and also the wife of Paul. I do sometimes and, admit yeah. to being the wife of Paul <laughs> and the mum of Patrick. And the mum of Patrick, of course. <laughs> it's a family course. affair hello this week. To, I, I wasn't actually aware to recently that you all were in the same yeah. house, so I apologise for that. So. <laughs> Then I had the great idea to get you on the podcast. <laughs> great. Thanks for joining. Really good to see you all. And I hope you've been well. We'll find out what you've been doing during lockdown, find out about the club, and uh, hopefully have a good time. Right. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Cool, cool. You ready, Siobhan, then? I am. When our first question. Okay, then, nice and easy. And I'll try and direct the questions accordingly so you don't talk over each other. Um, Paul, we'll come to you first, if that's okay. Tell us about yeah. yourself your, and your role within your club and the wider sport, if you have one. Yeah, um, I coach the Manchester United team and uh, I've been involved with the club, Sale United, since around about ooh, 2006, something like that. Um, it's a grassroots club that runs 11-a-side football and uh, so I coached many years um, teams in the 11-a-side game as well. And, uh, yeah, got involved when uh, Patrick wanted to play football. Excellent. That that sounds like a great story to tell, which we'll ask you about in a bit. Helen, I'm going to come to you next because I want yeah. you to also expand about your kind of role within the club and also how the club is set up because I did get this wrong. I, I, I was kind of calling the club Manchester United because because that's who sort of Patrick plays for, that's who Paul yeah. plays for. But but the club is called Sale United. So can you explain how it all works, please? I can do. Thanks. So my role um is very much being Patrick's mum, helping make sure he gets to the games and the, the training sessions along with Paul. But also um probably in the last two to three years um I've become the chairperson of the club there's a lot of confusion around sale united manchester united um and it, it it's historical really it goes back a few years when um 
other people who were who were more involved with the club then didn't realize that you could affiliate two teams to one with one um fa number so um sale is affiliated to the cheshire fa so ideally we would have had two two if you like two sale teams affiliated to the cheshire fa but at the same time manchester united foundation were very open to supporting the club um, and so it seemed obvious because we thought we needed two different FA numbers, that uh, the Manchester United team could take the Manchester United Foundation Manchester FA number, which is what happened and is which is what has caused lots of confusion. Um, and in the last couple of seasons, I've been talking quite a lot with Adam McAvoy about it. Um, but to be fair to the Manchester F Manchester uh, United Foundation, they like all their clubs that they support to be within the same um, FA number. Hence why Sale Club, Sale United, uh, seemingly is two teams because the Sale United team takes the Cheshire FA number and the Manchester United Foundation team takes the Manchester FA number um, and it took me two years to get my head around that Dave so I hope I have ex explained it succinctly it might also <laughs> take me two years to get my head around it um, <laughs> but I'm trying my best to do it in the next 40 yeah. minutes <laughs> but, um, but, but realistically we run as a club although um, obviously I appreciate for the for the the national leagues we appear mm -hmm. as two clubs yeah. uh, but we but we run as a club um, yeah. and, I, and that's where the confusion has been because yeah. you do appear as two clubs but it's the same as West Brom that um you know you've got West Brom it's Albion first team and Fossils and people think they're two separate clubs but they're not it's no. the same club just like yeah. West Brom Fossils are 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 sort of listed and affiliated under the main club, which is yeah. similar to what you've got going on. It, it, exactly. And yeah. and um, we also have a, a, another team, which are called the Sale Bees. Um, and they, because that they're back in with the Sale lot, they are mm. registered yeah. with, with the Cheshire FA. Okay. Um, so, so, we have, so we are a three-team club, two teams with the Cheshire FA, one team with the Manchester FA, uh, mm. the yeah. Manchester United Team. And I suppose we better come to Patrick, last but not least. Patrick, um, if you can tell us how long you've been playing and also how you got involved with the sport, if you don't mind. How, you know, what was that first initial, you know, um, um, you know, sort of experience and contact with the sport, if you like? Well, I started playing when I was three. Uh, and I've been playing for 12 years now because I'm 15. Did you say three? I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I just got involved mainly because of the fact that uh, I've got a twin brother and an older brother who both were playing football at the time for So United. And uh, I was just really keen to find some sort of way to get involved in some sort of sport. So uh, my dad, uh, along with the um, uh, chairman of the whole club, um, found a way to get involved in Power Jeff football. And that's how So United began. And that's how I got involved in the sport. So were you the first player, effectively, for your club? Did you like, uh, yeah. start the Paratech club? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Paul, would you like to expand more on it? If Rob, I can do, Patrick yeah. Was only three, he probably doesn't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Sale United used to run a thing called Gimme Fives, which was uh, for three to five-year-olds. And uh, a guy called Stuart Hamer ran that. And we've been lucky all through our club's development to, to run into doggedly determined people. And uh, Stuart was really the first of them. I was going along taking Patrick's twin brother, Thomas. And uh, Patrick said, well, what about me? When am I going to play? And uh, so I talked to Stuart. I said, does he know anything? And... Uh, yeah, that's a red rag to someone like Stuart. He he started and uh, he got the local FAs involved. He, he found uh, Everton at the time with Steve Johnson, who lent us all their equipment that they'd, they'd got because they just set up a club as well so that we could lay on a uh, an open day. And then Bolton Bullets up the road, um, they helped us get involved in the Northwest League. And uh, so we did lay on that open day. We we funded one day only and had a few people, about eight people came along, something like that. And uh, from there it started and uh, very lucky. Um, and it's been the story of the club as we've gone along. We we were lucky to have uh, John Gilmore, who was doggedly determined to take the coaching on when no one else had time to do it. And, uh, and so, it, so it's gone. And uh, just at that point, as Helen said, we... Uh, we wanted to put uh, two teams into the National League and uh, the local club we had happened to be a big one in Manchester United. And so, uh, so again, luckily we got, we got that involvement again. And Sale United is a very forward-thinking um, grassroots club. It's, it's one of the biggest in the country. And uh, they, um, if you think of things like the Kick It Out um, campaign from the FA that it, that was instigated at Sale and uh, Trevor Brooking came to Sale to uh, to to bring that on board and and then uh, they were voted Grassroots Club of the Year one year and Premier at the time David Cameron came and awarded that uh, to Stuart and uh, so yeah they 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 were very keen to take on something new and uh, and so we were we were privileged really to have all these uh, or lucky I should say to have all these determined people and I. Don't claim any major involvement other than I asked the first question, really. Well, uh, you're the person who got it started, so I was saying that you're the very person, you know, <laughs> um, you know yourself and Stuart, you know, in a manner, people like yourself, if we had those in everywhere in the country to get things kick-started, and especially when you had nothing, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously you've got your West Brom, you've got your Newcastles, Norwiches, you know, all born out of mainstream clubs, but, you know, this is partly why I've got you on, because you've started a club from literally nothing, you know, from literally, you know, absolutely bare bones, base of it, you know, and and we have a fair few clubs like that as well. And I, and I think yeah. there's, we haven't had a club started like that for a while, I don't think, but I, but I think in the future it can still be possible. So, you know, listen to yourself, listen to Helen, Patrick. I think, I think you know, it can inspire people as well. Um, so, you know, absolutely fantastic. We've heard different stories, but this is the first time I think we've seen the club built up from literally a couple of people. Yeah. Um, excellent. Okay, well, I don't I'm know gonna... if you've noticed, Dave, but Siobhan's trying to, trying to sound a whistle there, I think. I can't hear anything, as I can't in a game. So, Siobhan, apparently the whistle's gone. Thank you. Yes, the whistle did go. Yeah. When? Whistle... Just a minute ago. When? Um, it was a question for Patrick, really, um, to ask about. So you, really, this club has been built around you. So how well, does how does that feel to have been there for so long? And and because you're still only fifteen, you know, yeah. but but the club's built up around you and you've grown up with it. How does that feel? Does it you know? How does it well, make I mean, you feel? It's a uh... It's good. It's good to see about how far it's coming. The whole game in general, 
And overall, I'm just happy to see that Bal Jeffert was getting a lot more recognition now mm-hmm. um, in the in like the wider, uh, obviously like um, disability sports and stuff. Obviously, the uh, cup final being played at St George's is really good, and I think that's the first step as to many things where it could go uh, globally mainstream. Is that what you'd like? You'd like to see it as a? Well, I'd, like, I'd like to see it definitely the Paralympics or something. Mm. Um, and definitely just more people um, understanding the game and finding an interest in it that doesn't necessarily have to have a disability to enjoy it because I think it's just enjoyable to watch and to play. We've been turned down twice, I believe, by yeah. the Paralympics. I think you know, um, you know, it's not you know, WFA who really, you know, you know, who really deal with that. You know, it's the world governing body FIFA. Um, but I think yeah. twice, last time was the last year, so. We're just waiting on a bit of, you know, sort of feedback from the Olympic Committee as regards to why. I, th- I think it's regarding the number of countries playing large and the fact that it's powered chairs, but let's not go into that now. That's a whole different conversation. Um, <laughs> OK, one more question, because time is flying by. I don't know if it goes quicker on a Sunday, but we're nearly at 13 minutes. So I just want to ask you, like, you know, we've obviously heard how the club was formed. Um, so how do you manage to kind of keep the club going and sustain you know, the running of the club, you know, in terms of the finances, in terms of recruitment of players and, you know, you know things like that. Um, maybe, Helen, if we can come back to yourself. Um, Dave, it's not easy, to be honest. Um, we have a great cohort of players, families currently at the moment. So financially, um, all players play a monthly um Um, subscription to to the club which helps hugely Um, we are always form filling um, just to try and keep the to keep the club afloat to provide additional things that you know that keep coming along to get new equipment balls you know perish Uh, we have been really lucky recently in the sale um, Lions Club took us as, as their charity and um, they gave they gave us quite a lot of money for new equipment new tires and all that 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 sort of thing for the club been very lucky in that a couple of parents have, have been able to sponsor kit and, and league fees um, but it's an ongoing thing to keep a club like um, sale United um, afloat um, as in as in regards of new players, um, we've always we, we've always relied normally on our local cohort. So we're well known with the um, the children. Uh, well, it's young people's hospice is is fully aware of us. Um, we, we've been out to our local um, physios and OTs, so, so they're aware of us, and so we, we do get new players come through that way. Um, and recently, because we've become more, I, I well, I hope we have become more professional as a as a club so we've we've got you know proper committee player reps so one of our, our player reps um jordan had taken on the um the taster sessions that we were running so we would normally run a summer taster session uh but obviously unfortunately this season we, we've not been able to well this summer we've not been able to do it because of the covid situation so we ran a virtual one uh and we asked people to um a, send me an email if they were interested um so we're just waiting to when we get back to training for to, to allow people to come along um to a training session so it, it it's constant dave it's constant you know form filling as i'm sure all clubs do um yeah i, th- I think that's it 
It's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having you know it is a sign for a lot of clubs, you know, obviously yeah. some more than others. But yeah, you know, I can imagine it's very difficult, you know, and you know, uh, this is why it's important to speak to you guys, hear your stories, right, right, because you are the guys who are pushing it forward. You know, it's your life and it's all on a daily basis, I'm guessing, isn't it? <laughs> you know? it, it, it is, Dave, and, and, and if I could just say, it, it does rely on all the people that people don't see in power chair football. It relies on all the the parents and the carers and, and the players as well. We've obviously got an, an older cohort of players as well who, who take up the mantle as well, fighting and for, for the club as well. And I, I think it's all those hidden people that people don't see because we're not on the pitch um, that are actually hugely influential in the background um fighting for the clubs keeping them afloat doing all the organization doing all the admin um so yes i, I think i think those vol- those volunteers are some are, are sometimes forgotten because we're we're not on the pitch but one more question and i'm going to come to paul for this just before mm-hmm. we play 2v1 um so paul then before the lockdown obviously you know we start playing in march i believe start of march um you know uh, just tell us about your season very briefly and how you think it went you know up until that point of lockdown we had already made this last season sort of a bit of a sort of a milestone one for us because up to that point we've been running the two teams as as nominally equal and uh you know during the season 2-2 draw proved that they probably were fairly equal um but the ambitions of um you know the the better players means that you can't keep doing that and if you want to try and challenge a little bit more seriously you you have you have to make an a and a b team and we we told the teams that we were going to do that at the end of this season so it was always going to be an interesting season um so from the point of view of Manchester United, unfortunately, we lost our goalkeeper to West Brom at the, just before the beginning of the season. And uh, that, that pegged us back a little bit. I'm not getting involved start. in that, Paul. I'm not getting involved. No, no, no. Don't, don't, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to bait you. I'm not trying to... <laughs> but um, no, so, so we, we started slowly, but we, 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 we picked up quite well. And uh, in fact, it was a relatively successful season and it seemed to be getting better as the season was going. Um, sale, um, they, they play very, very sort of um, strongly, um, yeah, resolute type of football uh, as, as they were playing it. And uh, so, yeah, we, we had two teams that were in the bottom part of the league and, and we didn't know how it would turn out. And uh, but yeah, along came the virus and uh, it, it sort of changed things for us. And I know we were we had to get in touch with you to say, look, we, we don't want to play the playoff. We want one of our teams in the championship because we didn't want to see them getting absolutely laced next year. Um, we wanted a, a championship and a premiership team so that we could make that change within our club, which we've done. And uh, it's gone relatively smoothly, actually. We thought it would be sort of more tumultuous than it has been. But um, yeah, so fingers crossed when we do finally get back to playing, we should be quite well placed for the future. Okay, and just for pure clarification, just to explain to the listening audience what happened, Sale United kind of asked or rather applied to be relegated, basically, didn't you? Back down to the yeah. championship. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only explaining that just for pure 
in a sort of clarification, you know, and, um, and then Manchester United remained in the Premiership. So that's what happened. You got in touch with the WFI. Did pose us a few questions, I must admit. I, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, there's 45 pages of regs we had to read and, and you know, I, I didn't, quite, didn't quite know the answer. But yeah, it's all sorted. You know, yeah. and they're massively pleased to help you guys out as well, you know, and pleased that it all worked out, you know, following the end of the season kind of vote as well, because we didn't know how that was going to go. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, massively unprecedented first time we've ever had to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, from our point of view, we're going to say thank you for that, because no, that's uh, fine. you've, that's you've fine. helped us move forward. No, that's fine. Glad, glad to be of service. <laughs> OK, time for 2v1, I think. 2v1! Cool. Right then. I don't know whether you've listened to the other podcast, guys. You can all join in here, but try and kind of give one answer. I know you're in different rooms and stuff. But basically, if you get it wrong, I get the point. If you get it right, you get the point. Simple as that. Well, okay, then first question. Do we need a timer for this, Dave? I wouldn't say. They're going to smash this question. Because Sal and Manchester play in the West Midlands League, right, the first question is based around the West Midlands League. Okay, so just, again, for clarification, name three other teams that you play against in the Premiership Division of the West Midlands League. West Brom and West Brom Russell. Yes, excellent. Okay, easy. Say tidy that one. What one point to them? That might be the only one you get right. Um, <laughs> okay, then second question. Then again, all of you can answer, but try not to speak over each other. Uh, give them twenty seconds because there's more Siobhan. Okay, more twenty Name seconds. Four power chair clubs beginning with the letter N for Norman. Go Newcastle, Northern Thunder, um, Norwich. One more. Five, Northampton. Nottingham. Four. Yes, Nottingham has got it. You oh, could have said time to spare. As well. Could have said Northwest Bees or NC oh, yeah. Titans, I believe. Oh, of course, yeah. In your region up north there. Um, yeah. Okay, so cool. You got that. Two nil up, guys. You need one more. I should have said it's best of five, first to three. So you need one more. They are going to get harder, though. Uh, okay, next one. Ready, Sharon? Give them 15 seconds 15. because they might need to confer. Okay. okay. This, if, if you get this, you win, by the way. So, okay. <laughs> what do we win? Um, you don't win anything. It's just, it's just the accolade of beating him, really. The accolade, That's all. Yeah. good enough. That's good enough. You can just say you've beaten me, which, you know, uh, which isn't, wouldn't be the first time and it happens a lot. <laughs> um, okay, so how wide are the goals in the game of power chair football? And please answer in metres, because that's what the rule says. That's what it says in the laws of the game. How wide are the goals in metres? Some teams say not big enough at this point. Um, well, it depends how many five, you can see. We'd say four, too big. Three, are they six metres? Two, Is that one. your final answer? Time's up. Three, yeah. That's correct. Six metres. Well done. <sighs> You've won. Well done. A lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people get the size of the box wrong and then the goal. So, excellent, you've won. Okay, cool. Jordan was not only a great player, he was a great lad and a great friend to many of us at West Brom. We enjoyed some great times over the years playing together um, and also some great battles playing against each other on court. Jordan had got great technique. He was uh, a great dribbler of the ball and he would back himself 1v1 against anyone in the league. I know he loved his power chair football, um, and I know that the whole of the power chair football community was saddened to hear about Jordan's passing. 
I know it won't be the same turning up to, to the National League knowing that Jordan won't be there um, and certainly going to be a big loss to the sport. Rest in peace, Jordan. I was managing Man United and we weren't doing very well. Jordan approached me because he wanted more time on the pitch and it was a win-win, really. He was the type of player we needed. He had experience of playing at the top level and he was a good player, a very good player. Um, unfortunately for my <laughs> side of it, unfortunately it was probably my demise. I put a scouser in the Man United team. They just don't accept it, I'm afraid. That and other things anyway. But Jordan did well there. Obviously after a hard season, when they got relegated, he got them promoted again. And he managed to ensure that they stayed in the Premiership before he sadly died. He'll truly be missed. He was a proper nice lad. And a real loss to the game. Rest in peace, Jordan. Jordan was a top player and an even better person. Jordan would turn up to training and matches and always give 100% at what he did. As Jordan's coach, it was an honour to be able to coach someone as talented as Jordan. Jordan was very popular within our team and got on with everyone. No one ever had anything bad to say about him. On behalf of myself and the lads at Everton, it was a privilege and honour to have known Jordan. Time for the second half, guys, to all of you. What, in your opinion, do you think it takes to make a winning power chair football team? Patrick, do you want to go first? Well, yeah, the, the obvious one is you've got to have good players. <laughs> um, I mean, you got to have a good got... coach as well, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that is one thing we're lacking into. If anyone's, anyone's <laughs> out there, you know. Um, I would also say that you need to have a strong team spirit as well because you don't want uh, bickering between the players, the parents, coaches. You know, it's not always helpful when that happens. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say they're the, they're, the, they're a couple of the key things. Um, a strong philosophy as well. You know, there's different types of ways to play power chair football. And as, if you, as long as you pick one that you feel confident in and you stick to it, then uh, I think you've you've got yourself a winning mentality. Paul, I suppose as a coach, you better come to yourself. What you know, what does it take? Um, the the philosophy that we tend to uh, to look look to is one where the players really sort of get a chance to express themselves creativity um a coach and i you know like i say i've coached uh, 11 side football and i've i've also watched and got close to coaching in other sports and uh, coach really doesn't have to play the game for the players the players have got to play it for themselves and uh, especially in power chair football i've never i have tried i've sat in a chair and tried to play the game and i look totally stupid playing it because i can't um but um you have to acknowledge that the players are far better at playing the game than, than you can ever be and so um you have to find a way to let them be the creative force and as long as they've got drive and ambition and a little bit of discipline and team spirit um then as a coach um, I can give them a game plan. I can stand there at half time and tell them where I think it might be going right or wrong and what might need changing. But it's the creativity's got to come from them. Just ask you one question, Paul, right? You know, because you're expanding about you've coached 11 v 11 football. Yeah. Now I've got this thing, you know, I'm a coach also, I've done the FA level one and two badges. You know, how do you think it differs sort of coaching, you know, um, players in wheelchairs and 4v4? to kind of 11 v 11 can you see any similarities oh yeah 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, when people ask me what 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 is power chair football like, people have never seen it, and I say, well, it's like a combination of games. You know, it's got a little bit of an element of basketball, a little bit of an element of football, a little bit of an element of of rugby, and um, which probably means it's totally unique and it's nothing like any other game. And so when you coach the game, I, I, yeah, I did the same as you. I did my FA badges and I also, because you're trying to always do your CPD and uh, um, I did the, uh, the psychology modules online and things like this. And one of the biggest differences I can see is age. It's not age specific. So um, in 11 aside football, especially at grassroots, you do it year by year by year and you get a psychology a little bit associated with an age group. But when you come to power chair football, everybody's in together three or four years right through to, to adults. So understanding from a coach's view how to bring that together can sometimes be a challenge. Can I just chip in a minute and come back to Helen? Because you've talked quite a lot about infrastructure and that kind of support system from parents and carers and all the people in the background so just coming back to that previous question can I ask you what you think makes a winning power chair football team you know you cannot have a winning team if you if you haven't got it organized where you're going to train if you can't sustain the training if you haven't got the equipment if everybody doesn't know where they're going so it is the total infrastructure. It's all the parents, the volunteers in the background that actually make the winning team. Um, because if you can't get the player to, they may be your star player, but if you can't get them to the to wherever they need to be, they're not going to yeah. play. And it and it is, or they can't train. And it and it it is those unseen things, Siobhan, that probably go towards not always perhaps making the winning team but you know, you know that enables everybody to be able to play um and, and I to, to me that is really important thank you to all the hidden heroes of power chair football we appreciate you thank that you that's a great name I mean might start a campaign <laughs> yeah hidden I think the, the WFA should have a you might get a bit of chocolate if you're a hidden hero <laughs> We've called it unsung heroes, but hidden heroes sound better. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's those parents who, when Paul um, arrives from work to do a training session, who make, you know, we always make sure we try and make the club friendly as well. So we always have tea and coffee available. Uh, We we have somebody who always makes sure there's tea and coffee. I always make sure there's milk. And it's just those simple things, you know, that Paul gets a cup of coffee before he starts the training. All the parents who may have rushed from work like I do to get Patrick there and other uh, other everybody else the carers uh, they've all got a drink and it's those really simple things um that I think are really important and I think that's probably wider than power chair football as well you know grassroots sport actually yeah. yeah. is just full of these people that do these little things like just making sure there's milk or the <laughs> urn's hot yeah. or you know yeah. somebody's got a lift to a game or something yeah. like that they're all really important jobs okay then we've got one more question then we'll do the final challenge and then we'll then we'll come back to my favorite question which i have to ask we you know we've talked about the season until it was it was halted obviously because of covid19 um now i want to talk a little bit about lockdown in the past few months um so what have you guys been doing yourselves during lockdown to keep yourselves busy and entertained 
Um, and also, you know, I, I don't want to cause any upset, but obviously, can you touch on the loss of, um, you know, um, you know, uh, Jordan a little bit as well, and and the, and the shock that, that must have sent through the club. I'm sorry, to, sorry to mention. No, 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 I've not. No, I'm glad you did. Um, well, can I answer for go Patrick? On. Yeah, go on, Helen. Sorry. Go uh, on, Helen. Patrick has really been really busy doing all of his schoolwork during <laughs> lockdown. Really? Just in case your teachers are listening, Patrick. I, I, I'm not. I'm not too bad with that sort no. of stuff. No, I would say for me, schoolwork, PlayStation, and uh, just just relaxing. I guess there's not much more you can do. Not going anywhere, so just relax. <laughs> I, I had the I had the interesting. Um, Thing that I had to start working from home because um, I was obviously Patrick's, I, I, I'm sort of designated as Patrick's carer. Um, so my work allowed me to shield. Okay. I do actually work in the NHS. So I um, was running virtual clinics from, from home. Wow. Um, so I had to tell the, well, I've got three teenage boys to all be quiet whilst I ran patients from home to check that they were okay. Um, so that has been very interesting for me. Um, I've also got a new sewing machine, if anybody's interested. So I've been busy sewing and knitting, and they're the things that I like to do. And I've grown tomatoes. Just going to come back to Paul, because I want to touch on the squad and what they've been doing yeah, during lockdown. Sure. And also, if you can just mention yeah. Pat Jordan, yeah, yeah. you know, ma- massive condolences to the club, yeah. the yeah. family, the wider community. We are going to miss Jordan. You know, um, Can you just tell us a little bit about him and what he brought to your club as yeah. well? Yeah, Jordan um, was an amazing player. He was, he was obviously one of our best players, one of our most creative players. And uh, mm. between him and Patrick, they were very close. So um, I, I think um, I think there's a bond there, which uh, mm. is, is sad to see go. Um, Jordan, from our club perspective, came came in having been obviously at uh, Everton, then at West Brom, and uh, then back to us and. Uh, he made an amazing difference. We gave him the, uh, the Coaches Player Award two years running because he makes himself a mentor for younger players. Younger players look up to him. And uh, so always, always give him of his time. And when he's playing, he's, he's, he doesn't set himself aloof or anything. He's given encouragement. He's given advice. So, yeah, it was a big blow when, when Jordan went. As I said, we were we were planning the season to, to split the teams and Jordan was uh, expected to be a fundamental part of uh, the season coming. Um, so uh, that that's thrown us a little bit. We have to cope with that, of course. But, um, yeah, the reaction of the uh, PowerShare community generally just shows you how popular he's been. And uh, um, his family as well, I know, have felt massive loss. And, uh, you know, we, we'd like to support them in any way we can, whenever we can, because... They were very good to us and uh, selflessly gave their time as well. So, And I think it is something that um, Karen has really appreciated is the support that she's had yeah. from the wider power chair um, family. I think she she absolutely loved hearing, you know, the memories that everybody had of Jordan. And I think that really helped her through well, and is helping her through very difficult uh, times. Mm. He, he was something of a secret weapon for us. He, he was a great player, but also people couldn't understand what he was saying. So, with <laughs> a Scouse accent, yeah. A really strong Scouse accent. You know. Always said hello. He always said hello. He always seemed happy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people out there who 
you know, got miserable faces who never turned the fans upside down, but Jordan wasn't one of them at all. No, he's one of the most positive people exactly. we've, exactly. we've had association with him. Yeah, he was at West Brom for three or four years, so, you know, I was very close and went went to uh, Paris with him, you know, as well, you know, for the Champions League, so... Um, yeah, massive loss, massive shock. It, it's the it's the it, it's the downside if there is one to our sport because we lose our fair share of people. Um, mm. You know, Jordan's the third or fourth this year. Um, the rest were before yeah. lockdown. We Lewis Hammond's pass from from Brighton, uh, Matt Bode from 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 Villa Rockets. So you know, when when this news comes through, it's often shocking. It's often sudden. And you know yeah. you have to process it, but I must say Jordan was probably as bad, as big a shock as I certainly. Yeah, had, you know, we, we we heard the news while we were in the middle of a uh, a club quiz online on Zoom, which we cut sort of immediately because obviously it didn't feel like we wanted to carry on with that. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. That that thing about the quiz that that gives you a little bit of a clue what we've been doing we've been running coaching sessions online and uh, sometimes a couple a week for different teams sometimes everybody (laughs) combined sometimes a quiz for everyone (laughs) we've learned how to uh, do sort of remote control powerpoints so players can manipulate the players on the screen as well fantastic um the the other things that we have been doing um as well you know I, i i keep going back to the sort of the infrastructure but we've been having committee meetings every month on zoom so we can keep the committee up to date with with everything that's going on and what we need to be progressing and doing um and from that we've also done club newsletters as well so we've done a couple of those so we can keep um all the players and and the parents because the parents perhaps aren't and carers aren't always on the zoom call the training zoom calls so so we, we've done newsletters as well uh, for, for across our, our our three teams which I, th- I think have been very very helpful as well Excellent. Right, I think it's time for the final challenge. The final challenge. Okay, we'll put 40 seconds on the clock, please, Siobhan. Guys, you have to list or name, sorry, or I might be looking at Patrick here because of the hint you you gave earlier. I think think you're on your own, mate, for this one. Um, (laughs) The rules are quite simple. You must not repeat an answer. So if you said Man United, Sale, West Brom... Nottingham, and then you said Manchester United again, the goal would be over. Okay, yeah. It's listing the affiliated clubs, so there's 46 possible answers. Okay, and so, so for this game, Dave, we're in Manchester United and Sale. We are, because they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, yeah, I think we are. But you're not with Sale Bees. If you say Sale, but they're, they're an affiliated team, they're not a club. Yeah. And to try and keep score. We always try and keep a, a score, because it can get difficult, but yeah. When you're ready, then name as many parachair football clubs as you can in England, by the way. It's 46 possible answers. Go. West Brom, Aspire, Thunder, Frostles, um, Villa, uh, Nottingham, Seven Oaks, St George's, Brighton, Bournemouth, United, Sale, uh, Newcastle, Teesside, Leeds, Cheltenham, Dudley, uh, Greenbank, Northwest Bees. Nottingham. Repeated Nottingham. Carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on. Um, <laughs> Bolton. Uh, NW5. Four, three, uh, two, yeah, one. Time's up. Got to count these up now. I made that. 
24. 23, are oh, mate. He said Nottingham twice. Okay. Yeah, All right. I think, I think the second one just sounded like Nottingham. He actually said 23's <laughs> the official. That means you're on the same as Cheltenham, Patrick. And considering he did that on his own, I think that's well, well done. Okay, well. then. <laughs> 23, we'll call it South United. Okay, then. One final question. If you could change one law of the game in power chair football, then what would it be and why? Paul first. Let's guess come to Paul as a coach. Difficult one to think of here. You want, get, you want a rule that's going to sort of... Keep the keep the game start the game really quick. So uh, my my one thought on that would be from a kickoff, instead of being able to kick it straight out the furthest down the field that you can, I think you should have a second touch. So it has to be played to one of your own players. That way, especially teams that have conceded goals, have to move the ball from from the from the halfway, and uh, the better teams will still be able to uh, to move it down there and gain the territory, but uh, it'll be a bit more of a challenge and it'll it'll mean there's there's more to defend in the middle of the park. I can understand where you're coming from in that. Okay, yeah. Patrick? I would say that I feel that the uh, rule where you stop the ball from behind the line uh, just shouldn't be in it, really, even mm. just for the fact that in the normal game of football if you are behind the line you make a stop then there's nothing wrong with it and I feel that should be the same in power chair football as well because I understand that you are off the pitch which isn't allowed but I I feel like it just livens up the game more than having to give a penalty just for going off the pitch to stop the ball I fully know where you're coming from with that Um, thanks for your answers brilliant I think that's it for this week. You've been absolutely brilliant, guests. Yes, you. you have. It's been oh, lovely. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for really inviting us. It's been really lovely to meet you all. And hopefully when everything's eased and lifted, um, we're going to get out and about and we'll be able to come to the club and, and watch you play. Manchester Patrick. and Sale come down to Birmingham, say for the West Midlands League, because that's right on your doorstep, Bab. So yeah. Great. If it, you know, you know, when it all does start again, they'll... I'll yeah. be coming to Birmingham quite a bit. So. Cool. Okay. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks yeah, very thank much. You. Thank you very much, Dave. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Ha- have a good bank holiday weekend. And you as well. Take thank care. You very soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.